a few people have asked me, how was your week? And I'm like, fantastic, it's been a great week. And uh, that's, well, partly due to the fact that we had a, a, a night away together, we are just Rochelle and I and Theo. Um, Theo's a bit little to leave at home, but we, we left the rest of the kids with mum and dad and we, ha- we had a, a night away celebrating our anniversary. We went down to Melbourne and just had some time out. And it's so good just to stop and just to take a breath sometimes, isn't it? And uh, we were so blessed by that. Um, part of it was the reason we celebrated this week, because it was actually a week and a bit ago. Um, we went down on Tuesday night because Wednesday morning there was a, a breakfast uh, for, you might remember if you were here last year, that uh, I went up to Queensland for a, a leaders gathering um, time in the Gold Coast, which was really hard to take. Um, and we, were just, we just got together to reminisce and go, oh, those days in the Gold Coast. No. <laughs> just got together with some of those people that went uh, last year and also that it happened the year before and the, this year as well. And we just get, got together to encourage each other. But also uh, Tim Costello uh, was, was come to speak to us. And uh, it was a great time. But it was really interesting. Um, as I'm packing to get ready to go, just ch- chucking a few, thing, a few things in a bag, I'm going, hmm, it's a business breakfast. Um, what do you wear to a business breakfast? And I check the invitation, it's like, no dress code mentioned. And you go, hmm, what am I going to wear? And I don't know about you, have you got a, a love or hate relationship with dress codes on invitations? Because sometimes you read them and you go, what on earth does that mean? It's like, smart, neat, casual wear. It's like, well, which one do I go with? And dress codes are fantastic, but let's be honest, none of us want to be the person who turns up in a suit when everyone else is just wearing shorts and t-shirt, do we? Well, maybe, maybe you do. Okay, you, some of us here that maybe that's you, and uh, maybe you're you're worried that if you turn up in your thongs and your, and your t-shirt and everyone else is wearing suits on the day, it's a little bit um, you feel a little bit out of place. And let's be honest, I don't think any of us really like to feel out of place. Some of us, okay, enjoy a moment in the spotlight and like to stand out at times. Who's got anyway? Um, but we don't like to feel out of place. We want to belong. We want to fit in. We want to feel a part of the things that are happening around us. I wonder if you've ever felt out of place. Maybe not just because of what you've been wearing, but you've just felt like, I don't belong here. I, I don't fit in. There's something different about me. Why, why can't I seem to click in this situation? And it's not an enjoyable feeling. And if you ever feel like that in church, I pray that we can help you feel like you belong because the church is the home for everyone that comes to God with a, with a, a heart to, to please Him. God, God calls us all to come together as sinners and just simply know we're saved by grace. And every person, it doesn't matter where you've been, what you've done, you belong in the family of God. I hope you feel welcome and like you feel not out of place when you come. But maybe even you, sometimes you've done things, you've, you've, you've obeyed something you felt God call you to do, and even as you've done that thing, as you've gone that to that place or, or, or stepped out in that thing that God's called you to, you've felt totally out of place even as you've obeyed that call. Sometimes we just feel overwhelmed and, and anxious. Sometimes we can feel just so overwhelmed we, we go into a state of depression because we feel totally out of place and like we don't fit in, we're alone and it's just too hard. And probably 18 months ago, I think I've shared a couple of times that... Um, I had this uh, unexpected experience in my life. I uh, woke up one morning, not because the alarm clock was going off, not because the kids were jumping on me, because it felt like my chest was going to burst out of my body 
because I was having this amazing chest pain. I'm thinking, whoa, what is this? And I was at the point of grabbing my phone and calling triple O when it, it sort of eased a little bit. I thought, what is going on? And this went on for probably 15 minutes or so on and off, and I'm thinking, this isn't good. And it sort of eased off, and I sort of, you know, you sort of go, oh, that, it, was probably no, it was probably just what I ate last night. Or not. <laughs> and I got up and, and got in the shower, and the same thing happened again. I'm like, whoa, there's something not right here. So I went into an emergency and spent the morning in hospital, basically for the doctors to look in my eyes and go, Andrew, are you stressed? And I sort of looked at them and said, maybe. <laughs> and maybe you're in that place today. And praise God, I, I feel like I'll be able to make some changes in my life to how I do things or how I don't do some things. But I want to speak to you this morning. If, you feel, if you're feeling or have felt depressed or anxious or overwhelmed, exhausted, isolated, alone and out of place, I want to speak into that this morning. Let's just pray together now. God, we, we just thank you for your love for us. God, I just thank you that you understand the world of each one of us, Lord, the things that are going on, the joys, the struggles, the challenges. And God, I just pray this morning that you would speak to us, that you would encourage us, that you would give us wisdom, Lord, with the choices we make, the things that we're doing, that you would help us, Lord, to live the life that you have called us to. That, Lord, we would joyfully rise up and, and obey that call. And, Lord, we would run with endurance the race that you have set before us, that we would have joy, that we would have peace as we go about this journey, as we live this life. But your glory, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We've been looking at the book of Exodus the last few weeks, and uh, we're going to continue this morning to look at the book of Exodus. It talks about how God draws us out. Uh, he drew them out of Egypt to draw them into His promised land. He draws us out of sin and darkness to draw us into His presence, into relationship with Him, into His light, so that we can have the life and the eternal life that He's called us to. The title of my message this morning is, God is at work. Can you say it with me? God is at work. Okay, that was like you forgot to start because I said it a bit close to the start. Ready? One, two, three. God is at work. I want you to remember that phrase, God is at work. If you've got your Bible there, we're going to turn to Exodus chapter 5 this morning. And we'll read from verse 1. Exodus chapter 5 and verse 1. I know it's on the screen, but I encourage you, bring your Bibles so you can underline it, circle things, highlight things, draw little pictures in the margin so you can find that time when the, the staff turned into the snake. I've got a little staff and a snake and little pictures that help me find things in my Bible. Exodus chapter 5 verse 1 says this, after this presentation to Israel's leaders, so, sorry, I should just rewind a moment. Uh, for those of you who weren't here last week or you've just totally forgotten that so much happened this week, uh, Moses has, has been in Egypt, he's run away from Egypt because he killed an Egyptian uh, slave driver. Um, he, he's fled from Egypt, he's gone into Midian, he's married one of Jethro's daughters, Zipporah, and... Then God speaks to me in the burning bush and he goes, no way, God, I can't do this. But finally, when he says Aaron can go with me, he goes, okay, God. And he shows him, God shows him the sign of the, the, the staff turning to a snake and the, the lepry, leprosy hand and the water turns to blood. And if all that, you're going, wow, what are you talking about? Read the first part of Exodus. But, uh, so Moses and Aaron, finally, they go to Egypt and it says they, they tell the, the leaders of Israel what God has said. And then we get to verse 1. It says, After this presentation to Israel's leaders, 
Moses and Aaron went and spoke to Pharaoh. They told him, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Let my people go so they may hold a festival in my honor in the wilderness. Is that so? retorted Pharaoh. And who is the Lord? Why should I listen to him and let Israel go? I don't know the Lord, and I will not let Israel go. But Aaron and Moses persisted. The God of the Hebrews has met with us, they declared. So let us take a three-day journey into the wilderness so we can offer sacrifices to the Lord our God. If we don't, he will kill us with a plague or with the sword. Pharaoh replied, Moses and Aaron, why are you distracting the people from their tasks? Get back to work. Look, there are many of your people in the land and you are stopping them from working. That same day, Pharaoh sent this order to the Egyptian slave drivers and the Israelite foremen. Do not supply any more straw for making bricks, but make the people get it themselves. But still require them to make the same number of bricks as before. Don't reduce their quota. They are lazy. That's why they're crying out, let us go and offer sacrifices to our God. Load them down with more work. Make them sweat. That will teach them to listen to lies. You know, God is faithful even when we can't see it. God is faithful when we feel like everything is turned on on its head and isn't as it should be. Moses had been quite happy, I think, in Midian. He'd been looking after the sheep. He's got a new life with his wife, Zipporah, and they've been living in Midian, probably having a great time. He's quite happy there. He's aware that his family back in Egypt are captives, but I'm, I think he's probably pretty much enjoying himself. But then Moses follows God's call. He eventually obeys God's call and he goes and he speaks to the leaders of Israel. Then he speaks to Pharaoh and Pharaoh says no, as God had actually told him that he would. And I think there's some confusion, there's some discouragement, there's some sense of, oh, God, you've got to do something. You've got to work in Pharaoh's life. Change this situation, God. I think as it goes on, I think Moses begins to really sort of question and wonder, why, God, have you called me to do this? But point number one this morning I want to make is that opposition doesn't mean you've missed God's call. Opposition in your life does not mean that you have missed God's call and you're not doing what He's called you to do. In fact, I want to suggest that if you, were, if you were Satan and you were trying to work out how is the best way to discourage the church of Jesus Christ from being who God called them to be, how can I distract them, how can I, how can I stop them being who God wants them to be? If you imagine you were Satan and, and just try and think of it in, a, in terms of uh, a footy match for a second. Um, if you were Satan and you're, you're playing against the opposition, uh, would you really work your hardest to try and distract that kid in the, the forward pocket who's kind of, he's in the forward pocket and he just sort of, he doesn't really watch the ball and maybe this has been you at times, I'm sure I've played in the forward pocket at some point and um, sort of doesn't really watch the ball and sort of when the ball comes past, sort of doesn't sit and notice and um, like, has anyone ever seen that happen? Like you watch a primary school footy match and there's some kids sitting on the ground making daisy chains and it's like they're really not aware that there's a game of football going on. It's like, do you, do you understand what I mean? Uh, and, and if you were Satan and you're in the opposition team, I don't think you'd be too concerned about those kids making, making daisy chains on the ground in the corner. And by the way, if you were the kid making daisy chains in the corner, good, 
on you. You're like, I'm not speaking against you in any way. Like, it's just a game of footy, who cares? But when it comes to the kingdom of God, I don't think Satan is too concerned with people who are totally unaware of what God wants to do. They're totally not aware of his love for them. They're totally not aware of the gospel. And they're kind of just doing their own thing. They're la, 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 whatever, whatever. Satan really doesn't give two hoots what they're doing. But if you realize that Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world, if you recognize what he has done for you in your life and you give your life to him, I believe that is the moment Satan gets worried. He begins to see the potential of your life and he wants to bring every discouragement he can to your life at that point. And you know, some of you guys that went to Youth Alive last night may have made a decision for Christ for the first time. Or maybe you're just in your life, you've been following God for 20 years and finally you've just made a choice to say, right, I'm going to start doing the right thing with my tax. Maybe. Maybe you've had something in, God, in, in your heart saying, God wants me to obey Him in this, and you've finally stepped out, but now suddenly it seems like everything's gone pear-shaped. Everything's got turned upside down. Why is everything hard now, God, when I've finally done the right thing? Shouldn't I be blessed now, God? Shouldn't it all be turning out perfectly now, God? And I think some of us think that that's what the Bible's theology is. But I would suggest otherwise. That so often when we obey God's call, when we do what He's calling to, Satan comes to try and steal, kill and destroy. He is a, he's a roaring lion in the, the, the enemy sense that wants to steal, kill and destroy. Opposition doesn't mean you've missed God's call. Have a think about Moses for a second. Moses is there, he's gone to see Pharaoh. Pharaoh said, no way, get out of here. And he's doubled the work of the, his people. What was on the line for Moses? If Moses had said, you know what, God, I, I quit. I'm not doing this. I'm going home. What would have happened to the people of Israel? For the people of Israel, God could have raised up another person. Maybe the people would have stayed in captivity and slavery for another 400 years. Who knows? God could have risen up another person from another place. But the consequences of, God, of Moses not continuing on in God's call was significant. I want to ask this question for you. What's on the line for you if you choose to disobey God's call for your life? And maybe right now you feel like, well, God's call for me is really, it's, it's not a big thing, Andrew. If I, if I choose not to do that thing that He's really calling me to right now, it's really not going to make that big a deal. Like it's, it's going to affect my life a little bit maybe, Andrew, but it's really not that big a deal. I want to suggest to you that every choice we make prepares us for our next choice. And the choice we make about the little things in our life today, no matter how big or small, prepare us for the decisions we're going to make tomorrow and next week and next month and next year. And if we are not faithful with the little things, how can we be ready for the things God has for us in the future? The, the, the little choices we make today have a significant effect and influence on our life and who knows the people around you in the future. Don't discount the significance of the call that God has for you today, the things He's putting on your heart today. And if you're feeling a little like God's convicting you right now, I, I would encourage you, repent. Say, God, I'm sorry. I recognize the seriousness of disobeying your call, of hardening my heart. God, help us to follow your call. Opposition doesn't mean you've missed God's call. 
but to recognize the significance of the decisions we need to make. You know, uh, just really enjoy the, the, the words Tim Costello had to share on Wednesday. And one of the things he was talking about, it was the things that God called his old his people to God called his people to do in the Old Testament. He talked he called some to be prophets and some to be priests and some to be kings. And he was talking about as Christians today that God's call for us is very similar, that he calls us to be prophets and priests and kings. You know, the prophet would speak out God's word, and God has called us to speak out the truths of who God is. The priests were called to lead God's people into worship, and we are called to to be worshippers who lead others to worship the true and living God. But also we are called to be kings, to be people who 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 govern our family and our life and 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 bring righteousness on the on the earth who who govern righteously who live righteously who who lead our our lives our families our businesses our 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 communities in a good and right way god has called us to govern well as not kings but in a governing call he has for us and some of us maybe we felt like we've had opposition in one of those areas maybe we've been speaking out for god and there's been opposition so we've shrunk back and said okay god maybe that's not my calling or maybe you've been a, a worshipper of God and you've just loved to come together with the people of God and worship, but you've had, had some opposition, some conflict, something has happened and you've said, oh, maybe God, this isn't for me. I'll just sort of do my thing for you in the background. Or maybe you've really tried to, to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth, that you've tried to, to be a blessing to every person around you. You've stepped out and you've tried to run a business for God's glory and it's been some opposition, so you've sort of said, you know what, this is a bit hard, I'll just do this other thing instead. But I want to encourage you this morning not to shrink back. Opposition does not mean you've missed God's call. I want to encourage you, rise up as His people, rise up as His church, hear His call and obey His call. So Moses and Aaron, they go and see Pharaoh, it says Pharaoh speaks to his slave drivers and he says don't get these guys any more straw make them get it themselves and and keep driving them because they're just lazy and it says in exodus chapter 5 verse 17 this is the the leaders of israel speaking now it says we are we are given no straw but the slave drivers still demand make bricks we are being beaten but it isn't our fault your own people are to blame but pharaoh shouted you're just lazy lazy that's why you're saying let us go and offer sacrifices to the lord now get back to work no straw will be given to you but you must still produce the full quota of bricks the israelite foreman could see that they were in serious trouble when they were told you must not reduce the number of bricks you make each day as they left pharaoh's court they confronted moses and aaron who were waiting outside for them. The foreman said to them, May the Lord judge and punish you for making us stink before Pharaoh and his officials. You have put a sword into their hands, an excuse to kill us. Point number two this morning is that Satan's plan is to divide God's people. Moses and Aaron have, have been so burdened by this call of God to go and speak to Pharaoh. They, they have so sensed the seriousness, the hugeness, the, 
the enormity of the task that God had called them to. And finally they go, they step out, they obey the call of God, they do what God has commanded, despite the fact that they feel totally insignificant to do it. They go and they do it. Pharaoh responds with total rejection of what God has said. And the people of Israel are groaning. They are, they are feeling the weight of this all the more. But then it says God's people, the, the Israelites' leaders that come out from Pharaoh's courts, they, they confront Moses and Aaron and basically says, may God kill you for what you've done to us. You have caused God and Pharaoh to... to you, you, you have done this to us. How, could you, how dare you do this to us? How could you do this that would, that would turn Pharaoh against us and make us be in this place? I wonder if you've ever done something that you felt God call you to do, that you've, you've stepped out, you've obeyed God's call, you've, you've said what God called you to say, you've done what God called you to do, and then those around you hate you for doing what you've said or what you've done. You know, the reality is sometimes we step out, we obey God's call, and people hate us for doing it. We get persecuted for obeying the call of God. And it, it, it aches in your heart if you've ever been in that place. And sadly, it's not always just those in the world who would criticize you. It's even those within the church. Now, I'm sure there's no one in this church who would ever speak like that. Like, I'm not talking about us, of course. Or maybe sometimes it's a struggle for every one of us. But sometimes, even as we step out, as we obey God's call, Satan's plan is to bring a wedge. He wants to divide. He wants to, to, to bring disunity to God's church. He wants to divide us. He wants us to, to criticize each other. He wants us to tear each other apart and destroy each other within. You know, a church that's at war within cannot be effective out there in the world. Satan so wants to distract us. He wants to divide us. You know, as I was just thinking on this passage this week and, and in, in Melbourne on Wednesday we're having a beautiful time by the Yarra eating our, our brunch and having, sipping our coffees and I'm just chatting with Rochelle about my message for today and, and just thinking about the pain that people have gone through stepping out for God but then people totally coming against them in Jesus' name and the pain that has gone through people's lives I, I know fellow pastors that have that have tried to help their churches proclaim the name of Jesus and they've just been shut down and, and kicked out of the church. And my heart breaks for people like that, not just pastors, but even people here today, maybe you've had some dream or something in God that you felt called to do, but someone has just squashed it. And I believe God's heart breaks for you too. And I've got to be honest, I, I just began to weep as I, I, as I spoke to Rochelle. I just had to stop speaking because I just believe God feels your pain. Do not let discouragement, do not let opposition discourage you in God's call for your life. Satan's plan is to bring division and distraction and get us warring within. But God, help us to be united, to stand for what truly matters, to rise up and, and proclaim the gospel, to love each other and let the love of God be seen amongst us. Amen. Amen. Let's be so careful the words that we speak. Let's never become critics. You know, a critic is someone, uh, a food critic isn't necessarily a chef. 
but they eat other people's food and, and critique it. Let's never become critics who aren't, aren't missionaries and, 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 and messengers to the lost. Let's never become critics who just always analyse what everyone else is doing and forget our own calling in God ourselves. I've got to be honest, there's times when I feel like there's people who become critics and they, they have a, a word to say about what everyone else is doing. But it just brings division. Let's never become critics. Let's become worshippers of God who just do what we can do and encourage those around us. Amen. Point one about that, let's so be so careful the words we speak. The book of James says the power of life and death are in the tongue. There's words of life and there's words of death. Let's be people who speak words of life that build each other up and encourage each other. If you see someone going astray, sure, catch up with them and say, hey, just wondering, have you noticed that you said this or you're doing this? We need to, to, to bring godly encouragement and, and if we see someone going astray, be, let's, let's talk to that person, not someone else. Let's talk to that person and say, hey, I'm, I'm worried about you. Let's do it in a loving way. And secondly, if you're that person, you felt discouraged, if you feel like, you know, you've had this dream in God, but someone has just squashed it, don't give up. Don't give in. Don't think that that opposition means that God hasn't called you. And I want to say too, if, if I have ever said a word that has discouraged you or squashed that dream out of you, I apologize and please don't let me be the one that will squash that dream out of you. You know, so we, I, I don't understand all things and sometimes I hear things and I don't understand what you mean. And, but let's work together. Let's keep going forward. Let's keep discussing the things that God's put in our hearts and let Him outwork those plans. Point number three this morning. Actually, we might have a passage first. Exodus chapter 5, verse 22. It says, Then Moses went back to the Lord and protested, why have you brought all this trouble on your own people, Lord? Why did you send me? Ever since I came to Pharaoh as your spokesman, he has been even more brutal to your people, and you have done nothing to rescue them. Moses speaks to Pharaoh, and Pharaoh rejects it. Moses sort of keeps going. But then his own people come to him and say, why have you done this? You've made a stink before Pharaoh and you've put a sword in his hands and then Moses gets to a point and says God how can I do this God why have you called me why, why have you called me to do this why have you done this why are you making this happen and maybe you've got to that place and you've begun to ask God why why have you led me to this place why have you done this how could you let this happen God and I think if you, as you read through Exodus the next chapter and a chapter and a half I think Moses almost goes into a state of depression he is, he's just totally overwhelmed by the hugeness of the situation. It feels like everyone has turned against him. He feels like, although he's obeyed the call of God, no one is listening to him. And what's the point in going on God? But point number three this morning, I want to say to you, is even through your depression, even through your anxiety, your sense of being overwhelmed, your, your frustration, your exhaustion, God is still at work. God is still at work through whatever you might be going through. I want to point out just one thing. If, you've, if you're sitting in, well, you're not sitting in prison right now, but if you're listening to this podcast right now and you're 
sitting in a jail because you've robbed a bank, then maybe there's some things that you've done in your life that have allowed you to be in the position that you're in. But even through the, the thing that we are going through, God is still sovereign. He is still at work and He wants to lead you forward and out of that place. Maybe we've made some bad choices, not just choices that have obeyed God's call that have led us to, to a hard place. But sometimes we make bad choices that lead us into a bad place and we need to listen to God's call to come out from that place. But Moses is at a place where I, th I think he's at the point of almost wanting to give up. He's ob obeyed God finally to do what God's called him to do. But then he gets to this place where he's so discouraged. Let's read what it says in chapter 6, God's response to Moses. It says, The Lord's told Moses, Now you will see what, the, what I will do to Pharaoh. When he feels the force of my strong hand, he will let the people go. In fact, he will force them to leave his land. And God said to Moses, I am Yahweh, the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as El Shaddai, God Almighty. But I did not reveal my name, Yahweh, to them. And I reaffirmed my covenant with them. Under its terms, I promised to give them the land of Canaan, where they were living as foreigners. You can be sure that I have heard the groans of the people of Israel, who are now slaves to the Egyptians, and I am well aware of my covenant with them. And then in verse 9, So Moses told the people of Israel what the Lord had said, because God continues on and says, Now go and tell my people again. But they refused to listen anymore. They had become too discouraged by the brutality of their slavery. Then the Lord said to Moses, Go back to Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, and tell him to let the people of Israel leave his country. But Lord, Moses objected. I almost get the, the feeling that Moses is at that point where he's like, God, I don't want to get out of bed today. I don't want to do it anymore, God. Maybe you've been in that place. But Lord, Moses objected, my own people won't listen to me anymore. How can I expect Pharaoh to listen? I'm such a clumsy speaker. Interesting line, that, that line. I'm such a clumsy speaker. He goes back to his original excuse when he's in Midian. When he's back in Midian and, and, and trying to make excuses and, and, and saying, God, but I can't do this. You couldn't possibly use me to do this. He goes back to those same excuses. He starts to look at me again. God's just told him about all the things he sees, he's heard, he's going to do, and then he begins to look at me again. He says, God, I can't. I'm such a clumsy speaker. I can't do this. But right from the beginning, God has said, I God, Yahweh, El Shaddai, God Almighty, He is the one that is going to do this, not you, Moses. And maybe at this point, there's, there's things in your life and you're feeling discouraged. But I believe God would want you to know that it is Him that is going to do this. You still feel insufficient. You still feel unable. But God is the one who is going to do that thing He's called you to be a part of. If you're in that place today, there's three questions I want to suggest that maybe we should ask. Three questions that we could ask about the situation Moses is in. The first one is this, has God stopped working? As, as Moses is there saying, God, I can't do this, I'm such a clumsy speaker, Pharaoh won't listen, my own people won't listen, has God stopped working? Because Moses is discouraged, he wants to give up, has God stopped working? Absolutely not. 
God is still sovereign. God is still in control. God understands what is happening. His promises haven't changed. God is still at work despite the challenges that Moses faces, despite the challenges the people of Israel are again, have, have come against them. God has not stopped working despite his discouragement. The second question we can ask about Moses, maybe about ourselves, is God still able? For Moses, he feels like this is impossible, God. Pharaoh is against us. They're making it harder and harder for us. It's not getting any better, God. But is God still able? Absolutely. And maybe the situation you're in, you feel like it's useless, God. There's no point, God. I can't keep doing this, God. But I want you to ask yourself, is God still able? Is he, is he, is he still the Alpha and the Omega? Is He still all-powerful? Is He still all-knowing? Absolutely. And when you're in that place of discouragement, when you're in that place where it feels like the world is against you, I want to encourage you, ask, has He stopped working? Is, he st is God not able to still do this? Absolutely He can. And thirdly, is God still loving is God still loving? Absolutely He is. The whole reason God called Moses to draw His people out of Egypt was because God didn't want them to remain as slaves. God wanted to bring them out into a new land, into their own land flowing with milk and honey. He wanted them to know He is God and that the whole world would see His power and His glory through His people. You know, for us, we've been called to know the love of God. We, we've been shown the, mer the mercy and grace of God through Jesus Christ. He's called us to come follow Him so that people might know His love through us. God is still loving. God is love and He will not change. He is the same yesterday, today and forever. If you're struggling in life, if you're struggling with anxiety or depression or whatever it might be, maybe you need to write these questions down and write yes beside each one. Is God still working? Absolutely. Is He still able? Absolutely. Is He still loving? Absolutely. Then I'm going to lift my hands and surrender and say, God, have your way in me today. God, I'm going to praise you today. I'm going to continue to declare your goodness and your mercy and your grace today. God, I'm going to keep loving this world around me. I'm going to try and do my best to help people around me know you and even have a better life because you love us, you love them, you love me. I'm not give, going to give up, God. I'm going to continue on in your mercy and your grace. God draws us out to draw us in. I want to encourage you, like, as I said the first week, don't forget your Egypt even as the people of Israel come out of, of Egypt, as they finally are set free from Pharaoh and as they go out into the, the wilderness on the way to the promised land. We see, and I know I'm jumping ahead, but the people of Israel at this point are saying to Moses, we hate you because you've caused us to have more burden upon us. But then they get free and they're like, whoa, woohoo, fantastic, we love you Moses, you're fantastic. But then a few days later, they're, they're, they're being chased by the Egyptians and they're like, Moses, we hate you. Why have you brought us out here to die and be slaughtered by the Egyptians? And then they go through the Red Sea, we know, and, and they're like, Woohoo, God's amazing. You're awesome, Moses. You're fantastic. But then there's no food to eat like they like. And they say, God, Moses, why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? And then just this week, I was reading in, 
um, John chapter 9. And thinking about Jesus, it says Jesus healed the man who's been born blind. And then the the man who's been healed is is testifying, saying, Jesus has healed me. And the the Pharisees are saying, no way, we don't believe in this, Jesus. We're followers of Moses. And it's like, come on, you didn't follow him in the beginning anyway. Let's listen to what God is saying. Let's not forget our Egypt. Let's not forget, forget the sin, the darkness, the separation from God that, God that Jesus came to set us free from. Jesus is our Savior. He is our King. And let's live with Him as our Savior as an, and our King. Let's follow this call. Just one last thought before I finish. You know, I think we read this passage and so often we read it and we, we sort of think of ourselves as Moses. But I wonder if maybe we should also just think and stop and reflect and think, maybe am I a little bit of a pharaoh? There's a thought maybe we don't like to think of. There's a a verse in this passage that talks about how God hardened his heart, so he refused to let them go. And people can get all caught up on that and get upset about that. But just really briefly, I want to say, you know, in James it says, if we draw near to God, he draws near to us. But I believe it's actually him that draws us at the same time first. I could spend a whole message on this. But let's not be Pharaoh who, who when God speaks to, to Moses, uh, through Moses, Pharaoh sort of says, is... Actually, I've got the verse there, I think. <laughs> no, I haven't. But he kind of says, is it so? Is it so that the Lord says this? I don't know about that. Is it so? And we can doubt the Word of God and begin to to shut ourselves down and harden our heart to the calling of God in our life. Have we got any little bit of Pharaoh within us this morning that's saying, God, is it so? I don't know, God. Let's not harden our heart and become hard to the things God wants to do in us and through us. This morning, I want us to just spend a time just to surrender to Him. I'm going to ask the band to come. And this morning, I just want to encourage you to just spend a moment and say, God, is there any bit of hardness in my heart this morning? Is there any hardness in me that I, that I might be a little bit of a pharaoh in my own life right now? God, soften my heart. Change my heart, Lord. Help me to have a responsive and tender heart to your spirit. And God, we just thank you that Jesus, you gave your life for us. even as you faced opposition and trial and even gave yourself on the cross. We recognize that the opposition that we face doesn't mean you haven't called us, God. God, I just pray that you would bring courage, that you would bring fresh sense of, of inspiration to each one of our hearts this morning, Lord God. God, we just pray against the plans of the enemy to bring division and separation, discouragement. God, I just pray that you would cover us that, Lord God, you would keep us in unity of your spirit, that we would go forward for your glory, God. Lord Jesus, you would help us to, to, to hold our tongue in those moments where we want to speak out words that, that do not bring life. God, we just pray that through whatever we might be going through, that we would remember, that we would know that you are still God, that you are still sovereign, that you are still the one who is faithful and true, that, God, you are the one who has made a way 
that God, you are still the, the one who has given us eternal life. Jesus, you are still the Savior of the world. And God, we, we just thank you for continuing to work even through the challenges we may face today. God, we just surrender to you. And Lord God, we ask that you would continue to use us for your glory. Lord, even for those around us who may be persecuting us in any sense, Lord God, that you would use us to help them know the love of God. And Lord God, today we pray. Lord, today is the day of prayer for the persecuted church. And Lord God, we just want to pray for those who are being treated as slaves and oppressed and, and mistreated and even threatened with death today. God, we stand with our, our brothers and sisters in Christ and God, we say, give them courage, give them boldness, give them strength, Lord God, to endure. Lord, for nations in the world today where they have to hide in secret to worship you, God, we just pray that you would continue to strengthen them and help them in Jesus' name. Lord, we just stand in prayer with them that even as they pray, Lord, not that, that you would just spare them from the oppression, God, but that you would work in their oppressors. That, God, you would turn their hearts to you, we pray. Lord, let this world know. Let them bow at the name of Jesus. Because you are our Savior. You are our Lord. And, Lord God, we give our lives to you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.